Cohen, and you're listening to the one and only Maya Culpa podcast, now on the Mighty Midas Touch Network. So look for all future episodes of our show, Behind the Blue Banner, and we're glad you're here. But now for the news. In New York, Democrat Tom Suozzi won the special election to replace GOP thug and moron George Santos in the United States House of Representatives, making the margins even more narrow for the Republican majority. I mean, as if MAGA Mike Johnson wasn't in enough trouble. Anyway, the Long Island District, which Swazi now represents, includes Nassau County and a sliver of Queens. And despite it being a historically Democratic district, wealthy Republicans have taken control in recent years. And it's exactly the kind of upscale suburban area that President Biden and down-ballot Democrats are going to have to win in November. As you'll recall, Santos was finally forced out of the House when an ethics review came back with a big fat F on Santos' report card. Not only did he lie about absolutely everything, but he also spent donors' money on fucking Botox and get a load of this OnlyFans. He wrote bad checks, he stole money from vets for pets, and now he's facing criminal charges. So good fucking riddance. But Republicans thought they would easily retain the seat. And this time, with someone who they supposedly vetted, Mazi Pillip. Now, Pillip is a 47-year-old Nassau County legislator who, in a debate with Swazi, could not decide if she was pro-life or anti-abortion. I mean, had to tell her that they meant the same thing. No difference. Swazi won by a healthy 8-plus point margin and shocked the hell out of Republicans. And I quote, No one saw it coming last night, said former Congressman Peter King, who once represented much of the district. I thought this was definitely a red wave. Keep dreaming, Pete. I mean, look, you know that I'm a fan of yours, but for God's sakes, keep dreaming. But Swazi, a centrist, said during his victory speech that, in essence, he won because he and his team addressed the issues important to both parties. The border crisis and abortion rights were his main focus. And because this race is considered a bellwether race, we can learn from Swazi's success. He talked about the huge number of migrants who are ending up in New York in search of work and aid that's totally dried up. And he illustrated how House Republicans are rejecting a bill meant to fix the problem at the border. So sidebar, they are even talking about it on Fox. Shock pundits are blaming Republicans for tanking the border deal because it's what fucking Trump wants. It's wild to see some Republicans coming around. And good luck to Mr. Swazi. These next few months in American politics are going to be a fucking doozy. Speaking of which, Tuesday, the House voted to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. The measure passed by one vote. The GOP pulled Steve Scalise out of cancer treatment to cast the deciding yay. 
but Scalise's sacrificial vote will do absolutely nothing in the long run because it won't pass in the Senate and Mayorkas will be free to go back and do his job immediately. And after a session that has been nothing but infighting and impeachment hearings, the do-nothing House Republicans will take a two-week break to lick their wounds and gin up more bullshit to inundate the American people with. But what about aid to Ukraine? And what about aid to Israel? I mean, good question. So let's hope to God that they get to it before they go on their fucking vacation. Now on a sad note, today we're having Fred Gutenberg on the show. Remember Fred? Fred lost his daughter, marking the six-year anniversary of his daughter Jamie's murder during the Parkland mass shooting, the deadliest mass shooting at a high school in America's history. Well, today, as we're putting together the show, there's another mass shooting. 22 people were shot at the end of a Super Bowl parade for the Kansas City Chiefs. 11 of those people were children. I mean, at the time of this reporting, two people are confirmed dead and three are in custody. But, I mean, I have to ask just one more time. I mean, what the fuck are we doing, folks? What are we thinking? This is not a political issue. It is a public health issue. Our children are dying collectively. People are being traumatized at what should be a day of celebration. Players and fans coming together on a beautiful Sunday. And then this shit happens. I mean, soon enough, we won't be able to go to parades or to concerts or any public events because there might be a mass shooter in our midst. I mean, is this any way for us to live? It sure as hell it doesn't sound to me like freedom. And one thing about Missouri, it's an open carry state. So anyone can just walk down the street with their massive AR-15s and it's supposed to just be okay. But it's not. These are weapons of war and these fucking idiots are mincing around with I mean, you can't carry nunchucks or wear brass knuckles, but you can fucking carry an AR-15. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. There's something very wrong here. And if it's wrong for the American people, you can bet that it comes back to Trump. And remember what Trump said at the big NRA fundraiser last week. I do. He said, and I quote, during my four years, there was great pressure on me having to do with guns, but we did nothing. We did nothing. We didn't yield. Once you yield even a little bit, that's just the beginning. That's how the avalanche begins, end quote. I mean, Twitter bragged to his NRA backers that he did nothing to solve the gun violence epidemic in this country. And then they fucking cheered like a bunch of asshole morons. They fucking cheered. The NRA is holding our nation hostage. And for what? For money? I mean, it's just that simple. So, when you're nervous at a farmer's market or at a music event and looking around wondering if you'll be safe or that there will be a mass shooting, blame the fucking NRA and the cowards who support them. Ted Cruz, Mitt Romney, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, and yeah, fucking Donald Trump too. It's an election year. So with this election year, 
ask yourself, who are the politicians being supported by the NRA? And then you know what you do? Vote against them. And now for the main event. As I said a few moments ago, today I welcome back my good friend Fred Gutenberg to the show. Fred became an anti-gun violence activist when his beautiful, intelligent, smart, just dramatic 14-year-old daughter Jamie was murdered in a mass shooting at Parkland High School in Fort Lauderdale, Florida on February 14th of 2018. His son, Jesse, also a student at the school, survived. And since, Fred has become one of the strongest voices for gun safety in the country. He has sued gun manufacturers, worked with members of Congress on legislation, advocated against the NRA, and Fred has spoken at countless events and on, on air, having to relive his daughter's murder in hopes of creating change for all of our children. He's written two great books, Find the Helpers and American Carnage, and Fred's here today to tell us how it's going on the front lines of the gun safety debate. So let's go now to that conversation. Hey Fred, great to have you back on the show. Do me a favor if you would please, for my listeners, can you do me a favor and catch, catch my audience up? What, if anything, has changed What's going on in your life, I should say, and what's changed since last year's gun safety legislation passed in Congress? Well, what's going on for me, unfortunately, tomorrow is six years since my daughter was killed. Um, and it, it's uh, this has been a, a, a week that just is always a heightened sense of emotion for myself and my family. Um, but to answer your other question about what's changed, and I think it gets to the significance of tomorrow being six years. In fact, because Americans did get a couple of election outcomes right, last year we did get gun safety legislation passed, the Safer Communities Act. And two weeks ago, I was at the FBI facility in West Virginia where they do threat assessment and conduct the background checks. And much of the work we did in that to enhance background checks on under 21, it's working. It, it is working. The legislation is working. And so I was really pleased to see that. We, we also have seen um, a new Office of Gun Violence Prevention that is engaging mayors and law enforcement and all aspects of government to continue this fight to reduce gun violence and to respond appropriately when it happens. Um, but something else has changed. And this is where I think you and I um, find far too much connection. Uh, you know, when Jamie was born 20 years ago, we were a country with about 200 million weapons. We're now over 400 million in only 20 years. 20 years ago, AR-15 sales were 2% of all guns sold. They're now over 25% in 20 years. And that's a big change. And Going back to your former friend, um, there was a real surge through his years, especially through the COVID time. Uh, I accept the reality that not a single fucking thing is going to happen right now because we have a Congress 
that wants it that yeah. way because they are beholden to him. And um, because of that, my activism for years, which had been all based upon getting something done, is now purely political. I accept nothing will get done for the next year. So everything I do is political. It's all with the intent of reelecting President Biden and giving him a Congress that won't hold the country hostage, which this one is doing. First of all, I'm so sorry. You know, every year when kind of you and I speak since the first time that we started speaking, I just say the same thing. It's so wrong. It's so gross. Our complete refusal to acknowledge gun violence in this country and the fighting between the two political parties over sensible gun legislation will never, ever make sense to me. I mean, look, last weekend shooting at Joel Osteen's church in Houston, yeah, right yeah. outside of Houston, yeah. it probably could have been avoided. The shooter had a history of mental illness and terrified her neighbors. I mean, she had been picked up for illegally carrying a firearm, and yet she was allowed to buy a fucking automatic weapon. Why? It was Texas. Why? It's Texas. Why couldn't she be stopped, Fred? Listen, listen. Because, and, and again, it, it, it's 80-something percent of Americans agree with you and me. This is, no, this is not about Republicans versus Democrats. Most actual Republicans agree with Democrats. We can do better here. But those who managed to get the base of their party to vote for them and currently serve are all in on the idea of more guns on our streets. Um, America wants this fixed. It's This is not complicated. Uh, and and so I, I will say this. Um, if you go back to 1977, and I'll give you a very quick history lesson. America was a country that always had gun owners but believed in gun safety. We always passed laws for gun safety. In 77, the NRA under new leadership moved in a new direction, and they continue to change direction through the 80s. And in the 90s, they were hitting their stride. And we really saw the impact of the work they did through the 90s impact my family. My daughter was born in 2003. And over the past 20 years, we have seen this escalation. You have governors like Abbott in Texas who fought and passed the legislation that made this insane shooting in that Houston church possible. You know, Abbott fought for the things that caused that to happen. So so we Americans, we need to stop sitting home on election day. We know what we want. We keep saying it in the polls, but we unfortunately only see the extremes showing up and voting. This election day in 24, it can't happen. I have news for you. If, you're, if the, your former friend wins, which is not a possibility in my mind, okay, I believe him when he talks in violent terms. And you will see so many of those who spent the past 10 years buying more guns and more ammunition believe 
and he will encourage it, that they have rights that someone like me doesn't. And we can't let it go there. And so this is this next 10 months to me, it's everything. If we get it right, America survives and we get to continue the work to save lives. If we get it wrong, this becomes a far more dangerous country. Well, it's, it's already, look, it's already dangerous when you can't even go to your church and pray without having to have the fear that somebody with mental illness decides that they're going to take their child with them yep. to go execute people that you've never met before, people that you don't know, and to do it in this specific case based off of a bumper sticker regarding, regarding the tragedy schools, that's now shopping. taking place in Palestine. I mean, anything, I know. I know. basically what that means, the way I see it, because this woman I don't was not Palestinian. What was her connection to Palestine? Look, I have friends who are Palestinian. Who knows? It doesn't matter. I have friends who are Palestinian. Maybe, you know, maybe I get angry because I don't like the way my glasses are fitting, that they're not sitting perfectly straight. Is that supposed to give me the right within which to take up arms and then to go injure, you know, or kill innocent people? I mean, everybody has a grievance today. That's the problem. What her grievance was, I don't know. But to take your seven-year-old kid to a mass shooting, that's actually a new one. You know, I don't know if we've ever seen that before. Where somebody, what's the matter? Yeah. She couldn't find a babysitter? Couldn't leave it with her, couldn't leave the son with the parents? Now you have a kid in well, critical listen. condition and she dead? How old are you? Me, I'm, Let me ask you, I'm how 57. Okay, we're the same age. When you and I had grievances... We hand, we'd handle them. I mean, you yell, maybe you punch somebody, but you handled it that way. And everybody moved on. Today, and again, it's a relatively newer phenomenon, people handle grievances with guns. It's what makes America different than other countries because other countries have mental illness. They have all that same stuff, okay? But you and me, we're both the same age. Uh, you know, this is, it, it wasn't always this way. This is, this is a 20-year problem. America can fix this. But, but to do so requires we get it right in the next election. It's more than just the next election. We have to get this shit right in our own heads. You're right. When we were kids, we had an argument. You're in the playground. Somebody got knocked down. And then somewhere along the line, <laughs> after that fist fight, I, I was I was I was a puncher, right? After that fist fight, somehow or another, you guys became best friends. It, it's just it's it, just yes. how it, it's just how it happens. Now you don't even have that opportunity because the other person is dead. I mean, you're 17 years old. You're unhappy because uh, you weren't prom king or you weren't captain of the football team or the basketball team or whatever it might be, and so you have a grievance. Oh, I know. I'm going to resolve that grievance. In my own mind, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy a firearm or worse, worse, you're 18 years old. So you're actually allowed to buy it legally in some states. Could you imagine this? You could buy a firearm, but you can't go into the store and buy a beer. That makes a lot of fucking sense to me. No, it doesn't.
By Listen, the way, that was called sarcasm. New York sarcasm. No, no, no. Uh, you, you, you and I are probably created from the same sarcastic mold, so I get it. Um, listen, one, one of uh, the guy who's become one of my closest friends, former Congressman Joe Walsh. Yep. Politically, we are very different. Yep. I'm a um, big fan. But we actually started talking. You know, we actually we, we found ourselves completely disagreeing until we started talking. And we get along so well now, and we have found a lot of political areas of agreement. And the, and the thing is this, um, Joe and I, um, we're both guys who love our democracy. Starting next week, we're actually going to go on a tour modeling like how to have civil, decent conversations with people who maybe you thought you wouldn't ever be able to talk to because it matters. It's how we go forward. And and so I, I hope that we as a country can find a way to show that the Trump approach that requires you must hate people. I mean, literally, that's what his approach, you have to hate people. You can't disagree with them. You have to hate them. And that's not who we are as a country. And so I hope we can defeat it. Um, and I hope when people do have aggressive thoughts or they get unhappy with someone else, they find more normal ways to solve their issues. I'll go back to the Safer Communities Act for a second. One of the things that I'm really proud of that we got into that legislation is the enhanced background checks on under 21 because they tend to be more emotional and they tend to be um, people who solve issues with more aggression and it's working. We are stopping people under 21 from going out and and buying guns who are a threat to themselves or someone else. I mean, I, again, unless you are in the military, I don't understand the whole need. And and I hear this from so many of my of my friends, my Republican friends, that the NRA will never let you get rid of, for example, AR-15s because. Almost like the way people used to call marijuana a gateway drug, that that would be like gateway legislation to getting rid of all guns. And I turn around and I say, that's just not true, nor is that really what the Second Amendment was even about. The Second Amendment wasn't about having a hand grenade. In fact, the, the way I tried to pose it to him is, I'll tell you what I would like. I would like to buy a land-to-air rocket launcher. I just fucking want one. I think they're cool-looking. I want one on my wall. It's a conversation piece, but I do want it fully functioning and so on for whatever the purpose may be. And maybe a box or two of hand grenades would be really nice to have laying around in Manhattan as well. Why not? Why, why, yeah, why, why not? not? It's the same it's the same conversation that you're having with an AR-15. That is a weapon of death. Not that all guns aren't, but this one in particular, when it hits you, there's nothing. There's it. There's just so, nothing left. It is that destructive. So, so here, here's here's some. In, in fact, in the past three years, they've become the most commonly used in gun violence. And when used, obviously far more deadly. Yep. But here's a little history. 
Because when people say, oh my God, they're coming after AR-15s, are coming after everything. The truth is the AR-15 is a relatively new phenomenon in, um, the, in the American gun culture, okay? Again, 20 years ago, in 2003, they were about 2% of all guns sold. There weren't that many of them out there. In 2008, they were still under 5% of all guns sold. Now, remember, the ban ended in 2004. In 2008, the Heller decision path, uh, you know, was um, put out by the Supreme Court, and it, ref- and it made use of this phrase, common use. And the industry, this again, only 15 years ago, that's how long this has been a problem. It's not a long time. Went on this manufacturing binge, over-manufacturing them to put them into common use. And 15 years ago, they said, oh, it's for hunting, it's for sport. That's what they said. But then they were manufacturing them so aggressively that they had to develop new strategies. So you remember, all of yep. a sudden, if you didn't go out and look at your man car. Yep. But that's all 15 years from uh, ago. We've literally allowed this to happen in just 15 years. We don't have to accept it as okay. Our lives are at risk because of it. I visit my daughter in a cemetery because of it. It's not okay. No. Oh. Let me ask you this, because I know that Elizabeth Warren and Hank Johnson reintroduced um, Senator Ed Markey's um, Gun Violence Prevention and Community Safety Act uh, late last year. Has there been any movement mm-hmm. on that since? What's Where, where no. we are on that? What's going on? Um, there's nothing going on. Um Back about back in December, there was an effort on the Senate side to bring some gun bills to the floor, um, and they all fa- it all failed. Um, the Republicans blocked it all. Um, on the House side, it's just not going to come to the floor. You know, they they won't even hold hearings on anything relating to guns on the House side. So you have the Democratic congressman holding what they call roundtables. You still get to bring people in as witnesses, but it's not an official House hearing because the Republicans who control the House won't even call it. They won't even have the hearing, let alone schedule a vote. So, you know, Michael, here's, again, reality. Not a single thing, not one, will happen in D.C. as it relates to any gun legislation until after the election. Heck, they can't even pass legislation right now to defend our allies. You know, they're just, they're just, they don't, they're, they're not, they're not Americans as far as I'm concerned with this behavior. You know, I don't know who, who it is that they're um, reacting well, Fred, to. But, they but would argue, with you, they would argue with you that they are yeah. the real Americans, that you and yeah. I who have this misguided ideology on the second amendment, we're really the, we're the traitors to the Constitution yeah. that you should have the right to have to bear whatever arms that you want. Uh, regardless, in fact, they're so pro AR-15 that they proudly wear an AR-15 on their lapel. Yep. I mean, talk about obnoxious. And, you know, one of the things that also came out recently in that uh, tech uh hearing that they held in Congress where they brought Zuckerberg and others um, yeah. you know, to the floor is that the only two industries 
that you can't sue is these tech industries, right? The internet and, and the gun, the gun lobby, lobby. And the gun industry. Yeah, which I yeah. find yeah. to be well, insane. I really do. I don't also understand. You know what? I would even concede if they would meet somewhere. Like, you got to be at least 24 years old. How about this? If you're a guy and you want to rent a car, Hertz, Avis, Budget, Enterprise, whatever, you got to be 24 or 25 years old. I didn't know that. They, they actually distinguish between male and female when it comes to the age that you could rent a car. They assess risk. Yes. That's what they okay. do. They assess and risk. by doing the exact same thing, let's assume you got to be 24 years old in order to buy an AR-15 or a machine gun. You could buy a handgun, but you can't buy an AR-15, an AK-47, what have you. Why also, because the technology exists, that the trigger could have a finger print ID on it that it does not release the the lock on the trigger unless it's actually your biometric fingerprint. Why the fuck not? Then go knock yourself out. In fact, I would even concede that you don't need to be 24 years old. You just need to be 21 years old, but it has to be a biometric finger um, on the trigger lock. Why not? There is no reason, except you have a minority of politicians, in the House currently in the majority by, I think, two, but you have a minority party um, holding the will of the majority hostage. And listen, you and I, I think, probably agree a lot on a lot of policy because we happen to have people we love in our lives and we want to protect them. And we understand what the Second Amendment really says. And we understand that those who look at us as being wrong, that those who would think that they're crazy and insane, and I actually just don't care anymore um, because saving a life is worth it to me. That said, um, to get anything done, if America really believes what they say in polls, they better show up in 24 yeah. and they better make it clear this is an issue that is driving them to the polls. And they better make it clear when they vote that if politicians fail to do the right thing here, that they won't get reelected. But 24, this, this, this is the election where all the hard work that has brought us forward in D.C. on this issue either gets to continue or it comes to a full stop. And I'm not ready for that to happen. Yeah, which is funny because this type of legislation you would think would be passed quickly. It's the same people that fight this type of legislation that were so fast to jump on the bandwagon of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. I mean, there are some very serious issues right now confronting the American people, far greater than even this fake notion that Joe Biden is old and not capable of remembering things. I mean, you know, 
the fact that these are, that Donald Trump is the leader of one of the two political parties in our country, the fact that we can't pass sensible gun legislation, not not to collect people's guns, some sensible gun legislation, but the same people feel very comfortable in telling a woman what she can and cannot do with her reproductive rights and getting involved in their bedroom. I don't understand it. That's why I am actually 100% online with you as it relates to 2024. My friends, my listeners, my supporters, I am telling you right now, if you do not vote in 2024 and vote Democrat, I can only tell you there will not be a country for you to vote in in 2028. That's the bottom line, full stop. Because you and I could keep going around about, like, why won't they do this? And I'd, uh, as a reminder, and this is anything, this, this should sum up everything about who they are. Last week, they voted down border legislation yep. that they wanted when the president said, okay, I'll do it. Okay, because it's no longer about what's in the best interest of the country. It is what's in the best interest of a person who holds some bizarre, unusual sway over too many of them. And they are willing to vote against America in order to help him get elected. Fred, so Fred you're forgetting, Fred, Fred, you're forgetting one fact here that it's actually a republic. It was a Republican who actually wrote the legislation. Yes. It was it's what they wanted until Biden said yes. <laughs> and then they didn't. Um, so trying to understand why they won't do the right thing for me, actually, that's easy. They're just they won't. It's if 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 Biden wants it, they're no. Okay, if Trump says, even though it's good for the country, it's not good for me, don't do it. They're in. I don't understand. Listen, I understand why Trump is the way he is. I actually do. And that's who he is. And I and I and I can tune him out. I don't understand why all these other adults have bought into it and are willing to sell America out. But we Americans have a chance to do something about it because we can vote. You know, the last line in my book, Revenge, is Trumpism is fascism. And we must eradicate it from our body politic. I don't think there's a better way, you know, to sum it up. Talk about, you know, that book is over a year old about being prescient. I mean, it's really crazy. But I want to jump onto something and ask you this. Because we focus a lot on mass shootings. But suicides account for about half of all gun deaths in the United States. What's the best way to prevent that sort of self-inflicted gun violence? Well, and I'm glad you said it, because whenever people talk about gun violence and mental health, that's the real mental health issue. It is, in fact, too many people with a mental health concern, they don't go out and become violent. They turn a gun on themselves. And, And that's the real mental health issue. And so there's a couple of things. A, and again, going back to the Safer Communities Act, there was a lot of money in there to help build up better mental health services for people in a time of crisis like that. But I am a believer, full stop, in red flag laws. I think they should be the law of the land 
in every single state. And in Florida, we passed them three weeks after the Parkland shooting. Had red flag laws been in place before the Parkland shooting, my daughter would be alive today. Okay. I believe red flags, red flag laws work. Since we passed them in Parkland in 2018, they've been used over 12,000 times in the state of Florida. And what's amazing about Florida is they're being used more by the red county sheriffs than the blue county sheriffs. Because you know what? I guess they're deciding they have a tool to use and they're going to. They don't want gun violence to happen. They want they want they are gun supporters, but they do want to tackle gun violence. And they are using red flag laws to do it, and it's working. Lives are being saved because of it. If you know someone who's in a state of crisis and a threat to themselves or someone else, notify law enforcement. Don't wait. Get that person the help they need immediately by A, making sure they're getting proper health care and, and medical treatment, but B, making sure they don't have a weapon around that they can use to commit the ultimate act. Okay. So almost like as a follow-up here, because new gun laws are about to take effect in Michigan this week, including what you just yep. brought up, these red flag laws. So my real yep. question to you is why was Gretchen Whitmer successful in Michigan when so many other states have tried and they have failed to pass this type of legislation? Um, well, so let's compare it to Tennessee, where Governor Bill Lee, after the school shooting last year, where a close friend of him and his wife's was killed in that shooting, where had they had red flag laws, that shooting would have been prevented. He came out in favor of red flag laws after opposing them for years and years before that. But nothing happened. Why? Different legislature. They, you just you have a group of Republicans, let's call them who they are, okay? I, I, I don't, you know, I wish Republicans weren't that way. I'd like to be able to work with people in both parties to do something. But in Tennessee, you saw how that party made it impossible to pass that legislation, whereas in Michigan, you had a legislature, Democrats, who embraced red flag legislation, and the citizens of Michigan are better off for it. Okay, I, I get that. But wouldn't you agree that one of the biggest problems is this sort of idealization of weapons? You know, uh, it gives this portrayal of toughness, male or female. I mean, when you have a former president of the United States applauding the actions of someone like, what's his name, Kyle Rittenhouse, inviting him and making him into sort of a guest speaker at some events at Mar-a-Lardo, you really have to wonder to yourself, well, how do you expect people to understand the danger and the severity when you have somebody that's propping up another individual who actually grabbed that firearm and decided he was going to go become 
a Keystone cop for the day and to protect a community that wasn't even his own. Simply because he what? He had four, five, six hundred bucks, went out and bought himself an AR-15? Listen, I think we're saying the same thing, and I agree with you. Um, if you go if you go back just over 10 years ago, Wayne LaPierre, who last week, under oath, had to admit he's basically a liar and everything he's ever said is basically a lie and that he did everything he did for money. And essentially, there was a cost of doing business on my daughter's life. But Wayne LaPierre, Wayne LaPierre, after Sandy Hook, just over 10 years ago, said a line that you will recognize. It feels like we've heard it forever, but it's only 10 years old. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. They turned Sandy Hook into a gun sales bonanza. And the problem is they put so much money into electing people who supported that bullshit line of thinking that there are currently a large number of people serving in Congress who believe in that bullshit line of thinking. And Donald Trump doesn't believe it. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Donald, Donald Trump, though, knew he could amp it up that he could amp people up. And Donald Trump knew, while he doesn't care if people have rights to guns or not, he knew that that was a group of people that he could get whipped up around him, okay? And anything he could do to whip them up, he did. And he made America more dangerous because of it. It is the reason why I'm going to keep going back to where I started this interview. The only thing that matters right now is that he loses in 24. And unlike the grace that Richard Nixon was showed when he stepped away, Donald Trump should be shown no grace from the judicial system. Yeah. And I have such an issue, too. I want to go back to that whole shooting uh, at the church by Joel Osteen. You would think that this would have been an opportunity for somebody, a man of alleged faith, and I've met Joel Osteen, yeah. and you know he is exactly what you would expect from a televangelist. <laughs> He's got this massive stadium of a church. People at his church were injured as a result of this. You would think that he would come out and he would say something other than, we should all take a moment and pray. Really? Really? With, with, with all due respect, I'm not so sure no matter how pious an individual you are, no matter how hard you get down on your knees and pray to whatever God that you believe in, that after somebody is taken from us as a result of senseless gun violence, that it's going to bring them back or it's going to do anything in order to relieve the pain of those affected? Listen, so what sort of he's bullshit another, is he preaching? He, because he, he's what I call, would call another fake religious person who uses religion for... Profit? For, for profit and personal things, but also um, for, in many instances, evil. You know, you have a lot of people preaching evil in the name of God. Uh, you have a lot of folks 
who have embraced churches and faiths, have embraced Donald Trump. They've embraced him. And they're willing to support his incitement of evil and violence for whatever their reasons are. And they call themselves people of faith, even though they know he's a philanderer, a liar, a cheat, a lawbreaker, everything you could think of that someone can do wrong, he's done it. And they embrace him. So don't, they should never think of themselves, in, in my eyes, they're not religious people, they're frauds. Yeah. So I want to jump around for a second and bring you back to something else. The shootings at MSU, at Michigan State University, were only a year ago. Yeah. How did that legislation in Michigan get passed so quickly? When again, in so many of the other states, it's not even like molasses through a strainer. It's almost non-existent. But but it but it's not hard to understand. It's leadership. So 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 a little bit of back room here. Within days of that shooting, the Michigan lieutenant governor was having a Zoom with me wanting to know how we did it in Florida and what we did and what they can do in Michigan and what they should do in Michigan. Immediately, they got into action. They have Gretchen Whitmer, okay, who provided her office leadership to getting this done. They have a a legislature that understood doing something to try and stop the next one isn't anti-gun. It isn't anti-Second Amendment. It just simply means you want to stop the next one because you don't want to have gun violence. Okay. It's, I understand because the folks in Michigan are, they led, they're good people, they're decent people. And I, and again, I'll contrast it with Texas or even my governor DeSantis. Okay. Who have decided Rather than being good people, they're going to be purely political and they're only trying to go after the base, because that's what you need to win an election, the Republican <sighs> Party, that Donald Trump now owns. And, you, you know, it's, 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 that's who you're comparing each other to. It is, it is not hard for me to understand why Michigan succeeded. I also understand why Florida and Texas continue to become more deadly. And the reason for that is? Um, Governor Greg Abbott and Governor Ron DeSantis. Got it. So let me ask you this. What states and which governors, in your opinion, are doing the best to prevent gun violence? And you could give me the top three. And then who are well, the governors it, in it, which state that are doing the least? Well... The, the blue states are doing the most. And, and I'll just, I'll give you, I mean, we've been talking about Michigan. Okay. My friend, Governor Phil Murphy in New Jersey, has been a, incredible yep. on this issue. He's been a, a leader. leader since the day he came into office. Um, you know, another new governor, Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania, just passed a bunch of legislation last week. Also, really important, great legislation, including setting up an office of gun violence prevention um, under him. And then also you have in Maryland, they're doing amazing things. 
California has passed some great legislation, but it's all the blue states, you know. But then you have the red states, okay? Texas is terrible. Florida is terrible in doing the wrong thing. Missouri is doing terrible things. Um, you know, it's it's it is unfortunately a red state blue state divide. And as I always try to teach my 23-year-old son, numbers don't lie. They don't. And you can see the results per capita. The blue states are safer. There's fewer people per capita dying of gun violence. Red states and red cities per capita are becoming far more deadly. Numbers don't lie. Yeah, but that happens to be true. But so let, let's just talk for a quick second about New York, because every single day that I wake up, there is some form of gun violence that has taken place just in the Bronx alone. And I remember mm-hmm. sitting down with a friend of mine, Reverend Al Sharpton, and I asked him this question. It may have even been on this podcast or could have been when we were just having tea or breakfast or something like that. And I said, what can we do? What can we do here in New York? What can we do in the Bronx in order so that when I wake up and I look on my phone, I don't see every single morning three people involved in a shootout, two dead, one injured, or five people killed. It's every fucking morning that you wake up. It's like you don't even want to look at your phone because that is a life. It's a life that is lost. And he said to me, Michael, you have no idea. He goes, I can't tell you the number of eulogies that I have given regarding gun violence. He goes, we try. We try to pass sensible gun legislation, even here in New York. But somehow or another, you know, federal statutes now, you know, uh, are potentially going to overturn them and so on. Do you think Hochul is a good governor as it relates to trying to prevent gun violence? Or is she sort of middle of the road or nowhere? You know, it's 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 a great question. Um, you know, there was just a shooting yesterday on the subway in New York. Um And per capita, and this doesn't help because there's just so many damn people in New York that per capita, while it's not as maybe deadly as some of the red cities that aren't nearly as crowded, because there's so many people, you just have a lot of instances Mm -hmm. and, and we not, and we need to deal with it. Um, when the, listen, the Bruin Supreme Court case from about a year and a half ago, that overturned a law that was over a hundred years old that actually was doing some, was really helping New York with some laws to combat gun violence was overturned by the Supreme Court. They overturned a 100 year old law that was working in New York. And I think to some extent you're seeing the consequences of that now. Hochul, following that Supreme Court decision, did pass a variety of different legislation, but it's not nearly as good as what they had. Um, as for whether or not I think she's a good governor on this issue, I don't know her well enough. I've worked with many other governors 
more. Um, you know, so I can't say it. I, I again, the numbers don't lie, um, and I do think um, New York um, has some very unique issues, um, and and I do know um, on a local level with law enforcement, um, they're they're trying to deal with it, but you know, listen. Um, the, the, from what I understand and I, and don't quote me on this cause I don't have, I wasn't prepared for, to look at New York data. I do believe their rate of gun violence has started to go down in the mm-hmm. city. That happens um, to be true. So, yep. Yeah. So I, I just, but I don't have the numbers. Yep. So it could be, they have finally turned the corner. Um, that actually is also true nationwide. We're seeing the rate of gun violence decline. I don't know if their number is going down more than the nation or less than the nation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not as versed in New York specific issues. Um, but listen, it's a very crowded place. There's a lot of people. Um, and, and they did have, you know, that the overturning of Bruin was a big deal. Yep. Yeah, it is a big deal. So, can we go back to Wayne LaPierre for a quick second? Because I know that there's been that shakeup at the NRA, and Wayne LaPierre has finally stepped down. And he and the NRA went to trial in New York with our unsinkable attorney general, Letitia James, earlier this year. Now, Tish claims that they violated nonprofit laws. You have any idea how that case is progressing? I hear nothing about it. There's so much other chaos right now going oh, on in you, the media. No, Michael. Wayne LaPierre was just on the stand, like I think all of last week or the week before. Um, no, that case is progressing. He was on the stand. He he ha, he under oath admitted to all the lies to his misuse of funds, um, to all of the things that he did with money that they received. <laughs> are you are um, you confusing Wayne LaPierre with Alan Weisselberg, the CFO of the <laughs> Trump organization? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, and, and I, you know, you may have missed the Wayne LaPierre news because it was around the same time that Alan's name came back up in the news last week also. Uh, so, but no, listen... The NRA is is in big trouble, <laughs> you know. They, it, it, Tish has the goods. Oh yeah, and that was clear last week. Look, she's a great attorney general. I've had the. Oh, she's I a, mean, she I, really I, I is. She's she's absolutely fantastic, and I can tell you that she's not bringing a case. Not this one. Not the one that she brought against the Trump Corporation, Alan Weiss. Unless, she has, the unless goods. she has the goods. And anybody that thinks yeah. that this is some sort of a, uh, you know, uh, uh, a witch hunt or a show for her, I can assure you that it's not. But it was staying on that yep. NRA shit for a second because Trump was speaking at an NRA gun show in Pennsylvania. And by the way. When you said just before that he doesn't care about the, sec- the Second Amendment, he doesn't. Uh, in fact, Donald's not really a gun lover at all. Don Jr. and Eric, they're real hunters, but not, Don- not Donald. That I can assure you. In fact, 
He really doesn't yep. like guns yep. at all. But Trump was speaking at this Pennsylvania NRA gun show uh, last Friday, and he was bragging about his record of inaction on nothing. guns. Of doing inaction. Yeah. Could you imagine you're bragging about doing nothing? And I'm going to quote you here for a second. During my four years, nothing happened, Trump then said. And there was great pressure on me having to do with guns. We did nothing. We didn't yield. Now, if I recall, Trump made a big deal about standing up to the NRA after Parkland. Trump afraid of the NRA? What's the, what's the, or is he just so fucking stupid that his memory is so fucking shot that he doesn't even remember what position that he took merely a year ago? He remembers man, woman, child, camera, TV, elephant, dog, horse, bullshit artist, right? He remembers all that, but he doesn't remember standing up to the NRA? So listen, A, yes, I think he is stupid. And B, yes, I think his memory is shot. But there's also the C, which is he's just a miserable you-know-what who, 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 who lies in the moment to serve a need. Right. And so when we go back to what happened in Parkland, he, in fact, was saying, I am going to get things done. He, in fact, was telling our families directly to our faces, we're going to fix this. It's going to get done. And then at night, taking his call from Wayne LaPierre saying, don't worry, I won't let anything happen. Okay. So he was speaking out of both sides of his mouth because that is who he is. So yes, stupid. Yes, bad memory but also a miserable prick who spoke out of both sides of his mouth. And in fact, the NRA did get their wishes and our families were lied to. So I guess the answer is D, all of the above. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the fucking believable. I mean, there's really, you know, that's, it's, it's one of the problems when you listen to Donald Trump, if you, if you actually stop and start to just write down some of the things that he says, in 24 hours, he's going to end the Ukraine-Russia war. Or he could. In 24 hours, he was going to fix the budget. In 24 hours, he was going to fix immigration. In 24 hours, he was going to build the wall. In 24 hours, he's going to fix the Hamas-Israel um, you know, conflict. Uh, war. Uh, in 24 hours, he's going to do everything. Meanwhile, of course, nothing gets done, whether it's something as... Honestly, this is not a complicated issue. I think this is actually a relatively easy issue as it relates to the Second Amendment, as it relates to misusing and Governing guns. I do not believe. I don't care what anybody no, it, says. It, you can't buy a beer out of a 7-Eleven. You shouldn't be able to go into a gun store. That's just my feel. You know, especially kids today, they're under a lot of pressure and a lot of, and you know, a lot of tension. On top of that, with all of these games that are out there where, you know, right after you get killed or you kill somebody, they all come back to life. There's almost like this weird sense of... Um, 
uh, of immortality, so to speak, that they almost like lose themselves in reality, and especially they lose themselves because of mental illness. Listen, n- none of it is complicated. It's actually all pretty easy to figure out what the causes are, what the issues are, and what the solutions are. But doing nothing is easier. And 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 politicizing something may have value to you and the voters who you rely on in a primary. And so that's what you're up against. Um, I'm going to keep going back to where I've been going this entire interview. This is, this is a moment in our country's history more yep. than any other where we have a chance to really solve this, to guarantee voting rights, to guarantee a woman's bodily autonomy, to guarantee democracy continues. This is a moment unlike any other. And Americans who, by and large in polls, agree with everything we're saying, better show up and vote. This is not the election to sit home. Agreed. Now, let me ask you then, because you brought up um, a really good point. How many guns now do we have in America? Over 400 million. 400 million. Just so people understand, there's about 370 million Americans right now. Of course, mind you, about 20 some odd percent of them are under the age of 12. Right. So just imagine what you're talking about. Brings me to my point. The NRA doesn't want you to buy a gun. They want you to buy as many guns as you can. And just like with Trump, division is its best marketing tactic. You see, they're all about slogans. You may remember Smith & Wesson had a slogan, which was, no matter how big, no matter your size, just call on me and I will equalize. So you're afraid that there's a guy or a woman who is bigger than you, stronger than you, call on me and I will equalize. And so what do people do? They go out and they get that equalizer. Republicans, the way I see it, the Republicans are really against making a deal as well as the border. And I know that this all sorts, it, it, it all goes into this whole marketing tactic of what's going on right now. So I know it kind of falls into the same response that you just gave. But how can we get through to voters to point out that hypocrisy? You cannot, you, know, you, you know cannot how? just buy 50 guns, store up 10,000 you know, rounds of ammunition. You know, you cannot make a deal like with what's going on at the border right now, despite the fact that that legislation was created by a Republican. What do they do? What do we need to do? Here, so here, here's how. Donald Trump and the Republicans try to suck up all the oxygen by having him show up at the trials, by holding sham hearings through the over, the, what they call it, the weaponization committee. Yeah. They're trying to suck up all the oxygen to keep the attention on them, okay, when the way to combat it is to start ignoring them and everything they do and only focus on the 70-something percent of America who still is reasonable but 
can't be, but just tunes that out. Okay. Stop talking to the Trumpers and the maggots. Okay. And only talk to the Americans who have the chance to come out and vote and actually fix this. Yeah. And the bigger problem is going to be that still 28, 30% of this country who are armed to the teeth, who are so knee deep. They have the majority of those. Yes. They have the majority of the 400 million. And they are so knee deep into the dumpster cult of Trump that they're already calling for violence in the event that he doesn't win. So now they're putting fear into people as well. But you're in Florida right now. My question really to you, Fred, is are folks waking up to how crazy the Republican Party has become, especially in your state? I mean, think about this for a second. Between the Moms for Liberty debacle and Ron DeSanctimonious, the snot-nosed, the shit-faced, whatever you want to call him, his failed run for the presidency. You see Florida going purple? You think there's even a possibility? Because I would like to actually move out of the cold here in New York. I just don't know where I can go. Ron DeSantis, I don't think, could win re-election here right now, okay? Ron DeSantis won re-election two-ish years ago, a little less, because he did a really great job of amping up and turning out the base that at the time he was he was part of the MAGA base. He turned them out. And Democrats sat home. They weren't excited by Charlie Crist or Val Demings. They sat home. And so that's what happened. But Floridians are waking up. They are now realizing this isn't what we signed up for. As homeowners insurance rates in this state continue to go through the and roof and the markets collapse. It, it, and it's all because of that party and their failure to get ahead of it. So, yes, people are paying attention. If you look at Jacksonville, a red county, they just elected um, uh, Donna Deegan as their mayor, a Democrat. If you look at Central Florida, a Democrat just flipped a seat that was once strongly red. So I think we're seeing signs that something is starting to break here. I think the 24 election will tell us more. I mean, do do I think Donald Trump is going to lose Florida? I, I actually, I don't. I, I still think he'll win Florida because the, the maggots are going to come out and vote in force. But you know what? If all the Democrats and the independents come out and vote in force, it's a yeah, race. But what do you mean it's a race? We outnumber them even in the state of Florida at least two to one. And two to one is not, will, is not will, a race. That's assuming. Them? Will they vote? Will they vote? Yeah. So look, Fred, you know, as the hour goes by very quickly, I have really sort of one kind of personal question that I would like to ask you. Because sure. injustice, like you and I have seen in the system, it can drive a person crazy. How do you stay sane on a day-to-day basis when all you see around you is the mayhem, the chaos, the, the animus, the injustice that's going on on a day-to-day basis? Um, there are days where I know I need to step away and take just a down day and a mental health break. Um, and I'm really trying harder to take more of those. Um, but the biggest way and the biggest reason 
is, and I know you can see over my shoulder, that's a photo of my daughter. It's a painting of my daughter dancing. And that was a flying leap that she just was famous for doing in the dance community down here. Um, and the way that photo is positioned is with her over my shoulder. I, there's nothing that I can ever see, hear, or, or be told that will be worse than when I was told my daughter was killed. And because of the fact that I've already gone through the worst possible thing, everything else seems manageable. Well, you stay strong, my friend. You keep doing what it is that you can do. Because every single day that you hit the, you know, you hit the airwaves and you make your presence known is a potential of a life saved from the nonsense that, again, you and I know, my listeners know. We know what needs to be done. We know what is sensible. And yet... There's some people, as my grandma used to always say, you can't teach stupid. But you know what we can do? Vote them the fuck out of office. And that's how we fix this. Amen to you. Thank, thank you, Fred, for joining me. Wish you all the best today, tomorrow, and every day. Uh, I'm always here for you, pal. And really do truly Thanks, appreciate seeing you and appreciate speaking to you again. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. And now for today's mea culpa. So I want you right now to listen to me, because it's happening. Republicans are following Trump and aligning themselves with Russia. And this is freaking serious now, folks. Not only are they looking to rewrite the history of the Russian intervention in our 2016 and 2020 elections, but they're blaming Democrats, saying that we set Trump up in coordination with, get a load of this shit. Ukraine, which is the opposite of the truth. These Republicans are on the Russian payroll, or they're just following Trump's lead and aren't just working against our allies in Ukraine. They are working for Vladimir Putin. Disgraced journalists Matt Taibbi and Matthew Schallenberger were on Fox pushing propaganda, saying that Obama triggered the Russian hoax. And that along with CIA Director Brennan, they set up spies and planted evidence on idiots like George fucking Papadopoulos. There's no evidence, mind you, but the mission is crystal fucking clear. Plant distrust in our institutions, in this case the CIA, and give Ukraine to Putin. It's why aid is being held up and assholes like Rand Paul are making fucking fools of themselves bashing our allies on the floor of Congress and defending our enemy, Putin. And we know that Russia is working in lockstep with Iran. Iran is training and funding Hamas and Hezbollah. So big picture, Republicans defending Putin in his effort to overtake Ukraine are also working against Israel. Both democracies, by the way, and more importantly, they are our allies. I mean, why would they do that? Trump is and has been funded by Russia for years. He owes Putin and now sees how this is going to play out. 
Republicans go on TV and they ask, why should we give our money to Ukraine and Israel when our southern border isn't secure? And then they vote against well-crafted measures to secure the border. You see, you see, it's all one big shell game. They keep moving the prize and holding a badly needed aid. Why? Well, because Trump says so. What does the aid package do? Well, it helps us for one thing. I mean, 90% of the $68 billion we've already spent comes back to support weapons factories in the United States. Abrams tanks are made in Ohio. Missiles are built in Tucson, Arizona. Howitzers are built in Minneapolis. Blade drones are made in Mississippi. Plus, we outfit Ukraine and elsewhere that we are restocking our own supply. So aid to Ukraine, it's just a win-win. Passing the funding bill now for Ukraine and Israel does things like shore up the missile defense and the Iron Dome that protects Israel. Money for the Iron Beam laser system will counter rocket attacks, not just for Israel, but will also protect U.S. troops stationed at bases across the Middle East. Ukraine just sank a huge Russian warship. They won't back down ever, and neither should we. Defense Secretary Austin tried to reassure Ukraine that we are still with them and that the check is in the mail. But not, and I, let me say that again, not if Republicans have their way. Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries said today, and I quote, The most urgent national security threat facing the American people right now is the possibility that Congress will abandon Ukraine and allow Vladimir Putin's Russia to win. Notice how Jeffries does not blame Russia as a whole. It's Putin and his policies that are the danger. And just this last Wednesday, Congress was informed of a new threat from Russia in the form of a geostrategic game changer. It appears that the Russians are putting a nuclear weapon into space that could knock out our satellites. Now the details are vague because these are highly classified. I mean, dramatic reports that Congress is just starting to digest. But we know that it's a very grave situation. And why? Because Putin is lawless. Trump is lawless. So, first, we must not let their lies infect our goals to support Ukraine and Israel now with cash and with aid. Better that than having to send our kids to World War III. Second, Russia is behind the whitewashing of their own shitty reputation. As long as Putin is in power, there is no reason to trust Russia or play ball with anyone who does. This is all hands on deck, folks. So write, write right now or call your representatives and demand that we support our allies. And then vote out anyone who supports our adversaries, who support our enemies in November. And as always, my friends, thanks for listening, and keep the faith. Mea Culpa is written by Paula Killen. Our managing producer and editor is Lisa Orkin. Mea Culpa is a Midas Touch podcast, executive produced by the Midas Touch Network and LSJ Media Group. 